well, we're in the month of August. Who's pretty impressed with the spring day that's out there? Ooh, that's nice. So I won't keep you long. Good idea this morning. You can drink coffee in here seated, but you can drink coffee out there without a mask. Well, I mean, you can take it off to drink, obviously, but let's just say it's a lot easier to do things out there. So it's a great day for that. So if you want to stay inside, you're welcome to, but you might be by yourself. Just saying. No. Anyway, I, I digress. Um, I've got this problem. Um, I've probably shared this before because it's an ongoing problem, been married for 42 years, and I still get occasionally asked this very probing question, did you hear a word I said? <laughs> Anybody else want to just maybe politely just show, I, I, I've got some friends here. Oh, good. It's mostly the men that are putting their hands up too. It's like, just, just the dead. That's because they're, they're the brave ones. Oh, by the way, before I forget, because I will forget otherwise, we need to welcome a brand new member in our church. Fletcher Carl was born during the week. Fantastic. Congratulations, Aaron. Great to have Lisa at home last night, I think, was what I just got told. That's nicer than to be home. All good? Yeah, happy dad, happy Nana and Pa, Grandma and Grandpa. Nanny and Poppy, I, actually, I did know that. Yes, so congratulations, well done. It's always exciting having a new one turn up, right? It's very, very good. Okay, I got that uh, little spot that I nearly forgot. Done that, that's very good. Prayer, who likes praying? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, that's a bit of a mixed. Who likes praying? Yeah. Mm, about 50% of us. It's hard work, isn't it? It's like... You didn't hear what I said. I, I, um, I mentioned that a moment ago. Because prayer's conversational. And I, I think for me personally, I do at times find it difficult to hear what, well, this example I use, what Julie says. And I've identified that oftentimes the reason I don't hear it is not because she's not talking. <laughs> it's because I'm not listening. I'm actually distracted. I'm actually doing something else. And sometimes... I'm not even in the same room. She'll start a conversation and I'll walk off because I'm doing something else and, and uh, she'll be talking for two or three minutes and realise that I've left. I'm not there. And then I'll walk around the corner and she says, well, what do you think? I said, uh, uh, just a bit of help. You didn't walk off again, did you? <laughs> yes. And I find that prayer, maybe I treat God like that. Maybe God's talking to me. Maybe God's got my attention. He's saying something important to download. Maybe it's reading the Bible. One of the downsides of having the Bible on this sort of contraption is that in the middle of reading God's word, pops up iMessage. <laughs> pops up a reminder from the bank to do something, to log in. Or It's like, honestly, that is a distraction. And I don't know about you, but I'm distractible. One of my... Weaknesses. I'm just letting you know, there's a little bit of an inside knowledge about Pastor Bruce. I am distractible. So if you want to get something done, distract me. Because I'll sort of, I can get distracted pretty easily. And so, though I love having access to the Bible on a device and it's very convenient to take away, it's very easy to preach out of it. It's really, the technology is fantastic. But it is a distractible thing. And I want to talk to you about what happens in prayer for you. What, what is it that could reset your prayer life and my prayer life? Um, I'd love to ask the question, who likes praying and have 100% people jumping out of the sea? It's like, yes, let me at it. But it's not like that. It's kind of, 
It's something, sometimes I feel like it's something we feel like we have to do, but it shouldn't be. It's a conversation relationally driven by the God who created us and loves us, longing to get to know what's on my heart, longing to know what I'm thinking, longing to say something to me about, well, that's not the best way to do that, Bruce. Longing to encourage me to be a person who forgives, encourage me to a person like Jason shared about just having a revelation. Maybe, maybe, just maybe money, but maybe it's something else that's just crept up the food chain in my life to a place of prominence or preeminence that I didn't really see happening until I realised that it has. And all of a sudden, I'm bowing down to something else. I could be bowing down to a relationship. I could be bowing down to a grudge. I could be serving a grudge. What a horrible thought. How do we break the power of that thing in our life? We pray. We actually give our attention back to God. So the last couple of weeks, I I preached uh, here two weeks ago, about keeping it simple, simples. It's a choice to pray, right? Down at Parkside last week, I preached a message um, that prayer is something that requires humility on our part. I don't know, maybe sometimes some of us are almost too proud to pray. It's like, well, I don't need help. If you're the sort of person who's very fiercely independent, praying might be a problem for no other reason than I, I don't need God's help. I don't need any help, I know what I'm doing. That's exactly the problem. It's like God's not wondering whether you need help. He's just wondering whether you care he's there. He's actually more interested in being with you than telling you what to do, actually. Um, And I can pretty much say unequivocally that's the deal because he gave you a brain. If he didn't want you to think about anything, he would have just made you into automatic pilot mode, just functioning but he didn't he gave us creativity he gave us imagination he's given us all these options for us to consider all sorts of things so I don't think him controlling what we think is his agenda his agenda is I love you I want to be with you that's it that's it that's what he's about um that and so we could have a long conversation about the point of the law and the old testament but at the end of the day that is a dimension of realising how holy God is and how unholy we are this side of the Garden of Eden. That's the problem. But nothing's changed about his desire to be in your world because he likes hanging out with you. How good is that? Just look at your hands, top and bottom. If you had a mirror in them, you look at your face, but just... Take, get your phone out, take a selfie and have a look at that. Just get yourself organised to understand God loves you. He loves you more than you love you. He understands you more than you understand you. I don't know about you, but I think the invitation to pray is a great invitation to do something that'll bring life to us. It's like lots of things of value that can appear to have less value than it actually has got because of how much work it sometimes is to pray. And it is hard work to pray, right? It's not hard work to talk. It's just hard, it can be hard work to pray because prayer is not just a conversation only. It's actually, it's a spiritual transaction with a God who is spirit. So today I want to move on to the focus of prayer, uh, on the content of prayer, and not so much what one should pray because that would be ridiculous with what I just said about, you've got an imagination, you might, be able to, you might be able to pray in German. I'm working on that. You might be able to pray in French, Julie Sampson. Correct? 
You can pray in English. You can pray in tongues. If you speak some other language here this morning, you can pray in that language. It's like God's not confused by the language we use. He is impressed by the fact that we do talk to him. He listens to us, right? And so what is the content of your prayer? What is the content of my prayer? And uh, you might have been in a context where you've heard uh, some different techniques, for want of a better word, just little plans. Um, There's a little acrostic called ACTS that helps us to pray, adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication, horrible word, but it means putting requests to God. Acts, you might have learned that in a, in a uh, discipleship, in entry kind of journey into the Christian faith and someone taught you that prayer model. And that's really cool because it covers a lot of bases. That's the sort of thing I wanna talk about this morning but I'm not using that acronym. I wanna take you into Acts chapter four and have a look at a prayer that's in there and let that help us to have a look at what I think are important dimensions of prayer. This is uh, Peter and John. Just after they've been given a hard time by this Hanhedrin, they've healed a guy at the gate, beautiful. They've attributed the healing to Jesus and the powers that be have got their niggers in a knot about them using the name Jesus have told them in no uncertain terms, you are forbidden from speaking in his name ever again and released them on this occasion. <clears throat> and so... We pick it up in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, that's the other people, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Um, I'll come back and look at this in a minute. I'll just, yep, I'll, thought I'd pause and talk, but I won't. And they prayed this. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through, your, through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And this is a quote from Psalm 2, I think it is. Um, you can pick me up and correct me on that later. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I've been a Christian for a long time and I don't think I've ever been in a prayer meeting where the building started to shake. And uh, I've heard other people talk about this particular scripture and I have been in meetings that have been pretty full on, I've got to say, like really wild and crazy back in the 90s when there were some interesting Pentecostal manifestations of church and uh, people were doing weird things um, and being very unusual but even with all of that, and some people uh, labelled that as emotional hype, and there certainly were dimensions of that, but my experience was they were genuine moments. There were in the middle of that some genuine, incredibly supernatural, uh, inexplicable moments with God. But even in those contexts, the buildings that we're in didn't shake. And uh, I just, I wonder, so I, it's like, is it the pattern of prayer? Is it just an occasion? Is it not repeated as a story really anywhere else in the Bible that the place they prayed was shaken? 
But I'd like Adelaide Hills. I'd like Parkside. I'd like our church to get shaken. I'd like us to pray in such a fashion that whether it's an analogy or it's physical, not with an earthquake, not the whole thing to fall down, but it's like, it's like, does the foundation of my life get shaken by prayer? Or is my prayer kind of safe? Is my prayer wanting a particular outcome? Or am I really going after God and asking him, you shake my foundations? I want to know whether my uh, footings are down deep enough. I want to know whether I've got enough strength for the next 20 years. I want to know whether I've got what it takes to face whatever it is coming up next week. If I pray like that and my foundations are shaken and it's like, I'm still standing. I'm good. I've got the power of God on me, okay? So what's in this prayer that can help us? I, I identified five dimensions of the prayer that I think can help us. The Lord's Prayer has got a similar feel to it, so it's no mistake, it's like, what, what's, in, what's important in prayer? The first thing is that they start off with the phrase, sovereign Lord or sovereign God. You made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Jesus taught his disciples, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's like the starting point with prayer is acknowledging God is absolutely sovereign. Acknowledging God, as I think Jason mentioned, in spite of the pandemic and all of the hoo-ha about that, whatever you think about it, any dimension of how we're navigating that as a nation, as the world, don't ever forget this fact. God is still the boss. God is sovereign. God has got a plan. God will be with his people. God will deliver us. One way or another, whether we live or whether we die, we win. We're Christ followers, right? So the starting point with prayer isn't, oh God, I need help. That's a short prayer when things are rough. This prayer shows when things are rough, the first thing we acknowledge is the incredible, sovereign, all-powerful nature of God. I don't know about you, but that's, that, that's something that I need to be reminded of. Sometimes when my problem starts to grow into a Goliath and the problem comes closer and gets bigger, I need a moment of prayer to go, but my God, but my God is bigger. My God is more powerful. My God can see what I can't see. God. So God made or created, reminds us nothing is too hard for God. Your difficult situation is not too hard for God. He might not get you to walk through it in a way you want to walk through it. But that doesn't mean you won't get through it or he won't be with you. It just means it may end up being you navigated in a way that you don't like. That's what it is to be submitted to somebody who's your Lord. Like if we went to war and I was 40 years younger and they put conscription in place to go and fight... I'm a pacifist. I don't want to go to war. I could probably be a conscientious objector, maybe. But at the end of the day, if I said, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to go and fight for our nation and for whatever, I'd end up being a scenario where I would have to do what I was told. But if I go up there, I might get killed. Yeah, and your point is? It's like, that's the, it's like God might ask you or me to do something that we know is not going to be easy. That doesn't mean he doesn't want us to do it. Sometimes a, f- a faith step is the only step we can take. But we've got to remember as we let that happen, as we make the choice to be a faith-stepping person, we're putting our trust in somebody who's pretty big. Putting our trust in somebody who's reliable. We're putting our trust in someone who never lies. 
We're putting our trust in someone who's never deceptive. We've put our trust in somebody who always tells us the truth. That's a pretty cool deal. I don't know about you, but if some people say when somebody's going, you know, just, if only I had more faith. And it's a, a very touchy subject at times. And, but it's a worthy question from this point of view. I think faith is connected to how much I revere God. How much trust do I put in somebody, if I needed, for example, to have surgery on my brain? I wouldn't go down to Bob Jane T-Mart and ask them to put the wheel brace through my head to suck my brains out. It's like, and fix me. It's like, I wouldn't trust that the guy who knows how to put wheels on my car, and there's nothing wrong with that skill set, and it's not making light of it, it's just not the skill set required to do brain surgery. It's like, God wants us to put our trust in Him, for whom He's an expert at everything. Isn't he? Hmm, okay, that's number one. So they focused, I love it. They come back from this drama. Church has been praying and they're praying together and they straight away go, oh, poor, oh, John, Peter, are you okay, you guys? Can we, can we get you a cup of tea? Can we get a coffee? Can we pray for you? Can we give you a prayer for some peace? They just launch into this outrageously in-your-face prayer, sovereign Lord. I like that. Sovereign Lord, is that my response when the proverbial hits the fan? Oh, Sovereign Lord, you're awesome. A bit like Jason saying, being grateful. It's like, it's the strangest thing to do, but that is a faith step, amen? Yeah. Number two, they remind themselves that God has spoken by the Holy Spirit through their um, ancestor David. And it is Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2 that's quoted. God has planned this all along. Now, let me say this clearly. I'm not saying for one moment God plans bad things for us. But I'm saying that things in our timeline that are not good, God sees. And his sovereign will and purpose delivers us from some of those troubles and other times leaves us in them. Very tricky thing to navigate, right? It's like, have you ever been through a season you wish you hadn't? You prayed about it and nothing happened. It's like, well, God doesn't like me anymore. No, no, you've got to go back to space. One, God is sovereign. What if God's got something for us in coronavirus pandemic? Nobody in their right mind be wanting to go through this journey, unless you're a sadist or a masochist. It's like, but at the end of the day, most people I know are kind of like completely and utterly over lockdowns, completely utterly and over wearing masks. And we haven't been wearing them along in South Australia, but it's like we're over the bun fight about vaccines and not vaccines. I am. I'm sick of hearing about those who want them and those who don't want them and whether you can and whether you can't and who stuffed up the delivery. It's like, anybody else over that? Wow, that's a good vote. But I'm not over this. I am not over trusting God. It's like, come on, God, show me. What is it we're going to get out of this? If anything that's of value, I, I don't know. What, it mightn't be anything big, but it's like, God, in my heart, I want to come out the other side of this pandemic a bigger person. I want to have more faith. I want to have more resilience. I want to have more hope. I want to have more confidence. I want to have more, and this story's going there, more boldness to declare God is still God. God's a good God who loves his children, amen? And he's spoken through his, by his spirit to David And I want to say he speaks to us today through his spirit. His Holy Spirit's been poured out on all flesh, it says in another part of Acts. 
quoting Joel chapter two. But anyway, we digress. Number three, in this prayer, God anointed Jesus. I wanna say if ever doubt just how powerful you are, this has been a lot about blowing your own trumpet or getting a big head. But the Bible is very clear that the same power, I think the book of Ephesians explains this, that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you and me. I don't know about you, but I think I need to pray a prayer to remind myself that that's true. Because I forget. I'm just a little pipsqueak pastor in Adelaide. What can I do? I can pray. And I can remember that the supernatural power of the universe, that is God, was poured into a corpse in a hole in the ground in Israel 2,000 years ago that was dead for three days and brought Jesus, his son, back to life. The Bible says that power, Bruce, is at work in you. We got no excuse to feel like an insignificant little blob because you're not. You're a son or a daughter of the living God with the power of God on you. The devil just wants you to believe you're a nobody. The devil wants you to believe you've got no power. The devil wants you to believe that it's all a lost cause. It is not a lost cause. We've got every reason to be charging into the future with a great sense of purpose and hope, haven't we? Don't let the coronavirus news broadcast get you down, because it does. I don't think I've read anything anywhere in the last 18 months in the media that's good news about coronavirus. It's just been bad news. Bad, 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 bad. And in the middle of that, I'd go, without being a little over-spiritualising it, the devil's having a field day discouraging people, even the elect. The Bible says in the last days there will be false prophets that will deceive the elect. Many of these false prophets are the people trumpeting staff in our community now, deceiving the elect. In other words... What's that about? It's about losing hope. It's about losing our way of God's got this. Our God's awesome. We've got every reason to step up. I'm not having any more of this negativity. I'm standing up. I'm going to pray tomorrow with a new sense of passion. My God's in charge. My God's sovereign. My God is Lord of lords and King of kings still. God is not intimidated by something that's come from wherever. It's come out of the bat cave. Well, good luck to it. I don't know what, what Robin was eating in there, but it's like, oh my gosh. So he anointed Jesus and he's anointed you. So if you're feeling a little bit insignificant this morning, pray a prayer along these lines. Lord, I am so thankful that you have filled me with the fire of your presence that you put into Jesus and raised him from the dead. Any area of my life, Lord, that's dead and buried at the moment, that's not functioning, I claim right now that same sovereign power is at work in me. Lord, resurrect anything in my life that should be alive that's dead. Lord, anything in my life that's gone just off course, bring it back on course by that power in Jesus' name. Pray like that. Can you feel that anointing on that sort of prayer? It's like, ooh, the atmosphere just changed. And with that, I'm, I'm not telling God to do anything. I'm asking God to actually release in me what he's already said I've got. Sometimes we ask for the things we've already got and I think God just goes to sleep because our prayers are boring. 
Well, I can't say that because God, the Bible, I think the Bible says he's, he never sleeps. So even on my worst, most boring prayer day, God's got to sit there and listen. Boy, I'm glad I'm not God. Imagine listening to seven billion people having a lament about how hard life is. Anyway, I digress. Number four. This is where the tone changes. So these, these first three are all statements about God. And I think what I want to emphasize is the greatest place to start with a prayer discipline in our life is to spend a fair bit of the time in our prayer time focused on how majestic, holy, awesome, and powerful that God is. It's just, that is how you increase your faith. It's not by trying hard. It's like, I'm gonna pray harder today. I'm gonna get up at 5.30 instead of 6 to pray. It's like, you can do all sorts of things, but faith won't change necessarily unless I think we get on a journey of discovering how incredibly resourceful and woven into the fabric of our life God wants to be. That's faith. Faith is understanding God's got a footstep for every context you found yourself in. There is a step ordered by the Lord. It mightn't be the one you want. It mightn't be the path you'd pick. And some of us have been through some pretty dark places in, even in recent time. But I'd say that faith dictates that God will give you a step to take no matter what. That's how good he is. And we could have a talk another day about why we have to go through those dark seasons and bad things happen to good people. That's a, that's a different topic for another time. But my point in bringing that to your attention this morning is then in spite of the parameters around that, there is always a step of faith. And maybe if at times we think, I don't have the faith, I, don't, I can't see God, it's the moment that we've got to go back and remember what the Bible tells about us, us about him, about how incredibly big, wonderful, loving, reliable, etc. God is. So these first three points are just helping us to get into that place so that we can be people filled with faith. The next two, which I said, there's only five of them, was the word enabled. It's amazing what these, um, these words are. So the first one is God made. Number one, second one was God spoke. Number three was God anointed. Number four, the one we're going to get to now, is God enables us. They prayed that he would enable them. How cool is that? Enabled them. Not to be a better cook, farmer, not to have a better business or family, but that he would enable them. Uh, where are we? Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's a great prayer. That's a scary prayer. It's like, what is God's word? And I think, I hope that we give lots of examples of that, both in our preaching, but in the discussions that you might have at Connect Group, um, all those contexts is places where we want God to enable us to speak boldly boldly about forgiveness, about the power of the second chance, about the power of being lost and now found. Your testimony is something that you can speak boldly about, where you've come from, what God's done. 
maybe as going back just a step, part of that boldness is having a revelation about what God has done. Has God done anything in your life that's so shaken you, so stirred you up, so, so altered you? That's a place to go to speak with boldness. It's like, you know, when something happens to somebody, I think some guy won $80 million during the week in the lottery. So I'm like, I reckon that person, they got an interesting journey in front of them, uh, if history's got anything to say with what will happen with that. But that's beside the point. Let's just say at the moment it's a honeymoon period. I think the, the person, the guy, is kind of like probably a little happy because he kind of thinks, well, that's going to give me a lot of choices. And it's like an, a life-altering moment. Now I'm not talking about winning the lottery. I'm talking about a life-altering moment when you knew you were clean. God had cleansed your heart. When you knew you were forgiven, when you knew you were loved, when you knew that my life counts for something. I don't know what your new, you new moment is, but it's worth going back there if it's gonna fire you up to enable you to be bold and speak the word of God boldly. So enable us, so that's focused on us being released to do something. And the last one, they asked God to stretch out his hand um, so that they could perform miracles. Uh, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they were told, just, just get, a, get a handle around this statement. They, Peter and John were forbidden to use and or invoke that name. And so they've opted to go, no, our God's great. Our God's got this. We're in serious trouble, but we're going to pray that we get emboldened to speak and we're going to pray that we get um, used by the Spirit to actually see signs and wonders because we're going to go out and start ministering in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, headache, be gone. In the name of Jesus, whatever. In the name of Jesus, depression, anxiety, you're on your way, out the door. Prayer puts us in a place of faith that puts us in a place of boldness to then pray a prayer like that for healing. There's no point praying a prayer for healing with, oh God, if it's according to your will and purpose, we're kind of asking just with cap and hand, Lord, would you just give us that? That's not faith. Faith's bold. Faith's certain. Faith's kind of like, come on, Amen. So, got a few questions to close. That was the fifth one. Stretch out your fourth your arm. This is what the community prayed for. More signs to undergird the word, more boldness to proclaim it. The strange thing is, and this is a little quote from a commentary I was looking at, they surely knew that the result of that prayer would be more persecution. Wow. They'd have to have known that. Do we pray prayers that put us into danger? Mm, good question. I'll leave that one hanging. I don't mean unnecessary danger, although that prayer was putting them in unnecessary danger. They just knew they were going to stir up a hornet's nest with the powers that be in that season. So, a few questions to close. What can I pray? This is so personalised. What can you pray today to build faith in your life? I've given you a few suggestions. I want to encourage you to go back to looking at how awesome God is, is part of my answer. And I've already um, alluded to it. What has God, God done that has totally blown my mind? Start there. 
If you've forgotten some of those moments, spend time looking at them. Julie, for I'm not sure what reason, might be just pandemic kind of, oh, I was in lockdown, so I beg your pardon, I do know. It was in the, the one week when we got locked down a little while ago. She broke out some photo albums that uh, for whatever reason, mainly I think the church um, timeline of events with regards to her free time, she stopped putting photos in a photo album in about the year 2000. So we got a family history from the moment we met in 1970 something or other, um, up until 2000, there's photographs at youth camp, a little skinny Julie and a little skinny Bruce. and I had red hair back there, I don't know what that was about, but anyway. Um, um, the kids being born, a couple of dogs along the way, different houses when it snowed at Nan. Those of you who remember that day? We had church and we all got there late because there was snow all over the countryside at Nan. It was fantastic. It was in 1996, I think. 98, can't remember. One of those. Anyway, they've got pictures of that and it was a little bit of, got to 2000. It's like, oh, the Williams family dropped off the perch. Guess what? We're back. She's got the next 20 years in there now. It's like, my point in bringing that your attention is this photographs help us, but there's got to be other mechanisms. What reminds you of some of the great milestones in your life, good and bad? Photographs. There's a photograph of my family after my mum and dad died. It's like it was just, there were people in that photo after that, that, um, that era. It was 12, 18 months period of time that mum and dad died in quick succession. And, um, there were a number of family gatherings, but it, it's like the photograph reminds me of that. It's like, what is it that you can remember this morning that could launch you into a place of prayer that builds faith? Um, second question, this, and I've got one left to go after this. What has God done previously that applies in your situation today? In other words, look back at what he did last time. Maybe that's what it needs to happen this time. Just see how it went. Then thirdly, how do I pray about being anointed? Hmm. So in our church, we're Pentecostals. We lay hands on people to receive the gifts of the Spirit. That's meant to be unison, yes. Okay. Yeah, we do, right? We pray about that. Absolutely. But I, and, and that's cool, I've got no problem with that because we know that laying on of hands is a really cool thing even though it's not technically okay at the moment with COVID and blah, blah, blah. But uh, it's essentially how we impart the anointing. But I love the fact that that is included as an instruction in Scripture about one thing or another. But at the day of Pentecost, there was none of that. It was just God turned up. <clears throat> God literally just visited a prayer meeting. It's like, what, what do I need to do to get anointed? Get into a prayer meeting. Prayer meeting. You can get anointed by yourself with God, yes. But if the template of the Bible is thing to go on, the anointing that changed the world happened in a prayer meeting. I got a prayer meeting on Wednesday night this week at 7.30. You could choose not to come. For whatever reason, it's like, my, not my thing, it's at the wrong time of the day. If that's the case, come at six o'clock if you're a guy on Tuesday morning. Uh, my point is, the prayer meeting might be where God decides to change the trajectory of our nation. Yeah. Our prayer meeting in our church, in here on Wednesday night for one hour, could change the course of history. Yeah. Or it may not, because it's just another prayer meeting. 
I don't know where you're at with that, but I want to say God is looking for people who are dead set serious about changing the course of life. Isn't he? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, just an example of that. Um, back in the Old Testament, I don't know, some of these stories are really a little weird. This is in 1 Samuel 19. Uh, the word came to Saul, a word came to Saul, and someone reported to him, David is at Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Got to remember, these are soldiers under orders to arrest a guy. Um, with Samuel prophesied. Saul was told about it, and he sent more men, and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. Verse 22, finally, he himself, that's Saul, left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at Seku, and he asked, where are David and Samuel? Over in Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even on him. Now he's pursuing David with ill intent, desiring to kill him. Let me keep reading. The Spirit of God came on that guy. What? He wasn't in a prayer meeting. And he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. There he stripped off his garments and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay, this is a scary bit, naked all that day and all that night. This is why people say, is Saul also among the prophets? You've got to be a nudist to be a prophet by the sounds of it. It's like, woo. My point in reading that is, being anointed is about what God wants to do. When he's into it, even people that are not into it, get into it. So even coming to prayer meeting with, I don't even know why I came. What? Oh yeah, please come clothed. Um, I don't even know why I came. Well, that's a good place to start. What if just being there in the company of the prophets, in the company of the prayers, something supernatural happens? Why don't we stand to our feet? I hope this is helping to reset your prayer life. It's not all about the be all and end all being at a prayer meeting. Please don't, do not mishear that. I strongly encourage, yes. But only from the point of view of saying to you that you never know what God can do when we step out. Maybe it's at your home, around your meal table, starting a routine with your kids. If you've got kids that are young, uh, growing up, but even regardless, you just make a decision. We're going to pray. We're going to pray before we eat. We're going to pray. We're just going to, it could be, we're going to thank God for the day we've had. We're just going to shift things around. My point in saying that is you can have a prayer meeting at home. And if you consciously go there, do not underestimate what God wants to do. He's more into anointing you than you are into finding the anointing. He wants us. I mean, to pour his spirit out on a guy like Saul, I kind of get the impression. God's pretty serious about pouring his spirit out on people so that. And so every opportunity we get, my encouragement, reset your prayer life. If you live on your own, by yourself, or the only Christian in your family, only person who's a Christian under your roof, then my strong suggestion is find a prayer partner and pray with them on a regular basis so that these things can happen. Let me pray. Father, today, I pray that your anointing that we've been talking about would be present in whole new levels 
at every meeting we have in our church. We're talking about prayer meetings during the week that we have on a fortnightly basis there or thereabouts. We've got men's prayer meeting on Tuesday mornings. We've got connect groups where we pray and talk and study your word and hang out together and have fun. I pray, Lord, that the anointing would be poured out into every one of those situations. Lord, that we'd find your power moving in our church like it's never done before. God, we're hungry to be life-changing, world-changing leaders. Lord, leading our community with faith, leading our community with boldness, leading our community with hope in what is an extremely dark season for many, many people. So God, bless us, make us bold in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. If you've never invited Christ into your life, let me give you a heads up. It's a smart move to do so. Jesus is Lord. God is sovereign. And every knee, the Bible says, at some point down the track, is going to bow down to Him. I'd much rather be on the side of, I'm already bowing down now. I already know He's my Lord and Savior. If you've never invited Christ into your life this morning, why don't we do that before we close the meeting? We can pray a prayer together that acknowledges the sovereignty of God, acknowledges the incredible anointing power of the Spirit, that acknowledges the blood of Jesus, that acknowledges that He's His Son. He died on a cross. We confess our sin to Him in a prayer and we ask for forgiveness and we are cleansed in a moment and we become a Christ follower. That is the smartest thing you could ever do. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, We can pray that together right now in this auditorium. If you've never prayed a prayer like that and you're watching online this morning, you'll find on our website, um, there's a little link to a salvation prayer about who's Jesus. And there's a little video there from Pastor Phil Pringle explains what that's about. And there's a prayer you can read out underneath that um, little link to the video. And it's a prayer of commitment to Christ. And if you pray that prayer and you're doing that by yourself uh, online, We need to know you've prayed that prayer because we want to help you become a disciple and follower of Jesus. There's a little link there to email us. Just drop us a line and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Really got blessed by watching the service online this morning. And hey, what do I do next? And we'll help you out. And we'd love to hear from you. So whichever way that is. So just very quickly, if you're here in the auditorium and you've never prayed a prayer like that, I'd love you to slip your hand up and say, that's me, Bruce. I need to pray that prayer today. Thank you, Father. Right, God, we then thank you. Thanks for being with us. Lord, we do pray for the Carl family as they welcome young Fletcher into their fold. We pray, Lord, you watch over that little fella. Father, keep him safe, keep him well. Lord, we pray that great joy would be erupting around the Carl family and the extended family with the arrival of a new person in the, in the clan. And uh, Father, for other families going through stuff, we pray your comfort, your strength, Lord, your goodness to be with us all as we head out into the week ahead. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.